0: Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio, talk, radio Show. talk Show.
1: All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news, the network's views to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for March the 8th of the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two, and our goal is to always promote God, family, and country, and to protect life, liberty, and property. We do it simply. The supreme law of the land is the Constitution for the United States of America and our guide. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. That's for starters. We also promote God, family, country, protect life, liberty, and property. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration. What more do you want from a talk show, huh? Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use? You got it. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. By the way, we were not live on Saturday. I had some work stuff to take care of. But Friday's broadcast quick recap is in order. We had our guest on, Mr. Richard Mack, CSPUA.org, with us. Praying with you for our precious republic, we talked about that, and we continue to talk about that in America. Look, you don't like Joe Biden as president? You think he was illegally placed there? I happen to agree with that view, to which I'm entitled. I can have that view of vote fraud and belief as I want to. This is not China. This is America. And just because I believe that we had vote fraud, that doesn't mean that I'm a criminal. It doesn't mean that I'm going to go riot and pillage and plunder. It does mean that I want accountability for the greatest country on the face of the earth, though. All right. I'm praying for our precious republic. And believe it or not, I'm praying for whacked out Joe Biden. All right. We need to talk about Joe Biden, writes Kevin Williamson. Joe is a plagiarist and a liar. Biden lied and he got caught about an act of military heroism. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to aggrandize his own fake role in the story. Folks, look, this guy has been caught many times. This is not my opinion. This is not debatable. Okay? Joe Biden is not to be trusted. Roughly 3,000, I'm sorry, wow, roughly three dozen, let me say it again, roughly three dozen House Democrats even recently sent a letter to Joe Biden urging him to make an unprecedented move. What is that? Give up his power over the nuclear launch codes. Politico with the story. Yeah, they claim that having that power over the political launch codes or the uh, whatever you want to call them, what would it be? Nuclear launch codes. Okay. Why would they ask Joe Biden to give that up? What do they want? They want to share the launch codes, checks and balances for the launch codes. Is it because they don't trust Joe Is it because they believe Joe's not mentally stable enough to handle it? Uh, You know what? These Democrats need to explain themselves, in my humble opinion. But we talked about how those who are surrounding Joe Biden, you know, if there are problems with his mental clarity and his mental sharpness and his mental stability and everything else like the allegations are and like we literally see every day on the news, he forgets where he is and more. It is criminal to uphold a president like that. And then not speak out against it, because whoever's surrounding Joe making these decisions, we've never elected any of those people. And to back a man who you claim, on one hand, is safe and stable and can take the oath of office for president and everything else. On the other hand, you want to undermine him and say he shouldn't be able to handle the nuclear codes by himself, although that's been the case for decades in America. At some point, there's a treasonous reality to this, folks. You cannot elect a man and uphold a man in office by hook and by crook, in other words, deceiving the people about his stability and have it both ways. At some point, it becomes a national security treasonous scenario. Migrants, by the way, at the southern border are wearing Biden t-shirts that say, please let us in. See, this is what I'm talking about. You cannot have the border of the United States of America leak like a sieve on Joe's watch because he's not mentally clear enough to handle this. Uh, Look, you cannot bring in the criminals in America. You just cannot do that, ladies and gentlemen. We had our guest on, Dr. Scott Bradley, second hour to preserve the nation is goal. FreedomsRisingSun.com is an incredible website. And we talked about discussion of the Battle of the Alamo. Remember the Alamo. Yeah, it was Texas's war for independence, ladies and gentlemen. It lasted 13 days. It was... uh, February 23rd, 1836, March 6th, 1836, and we talked about the evils of war, and we talked about the uh, very fuzzy line, but it all comes down to the border, doesn't it? So the Alamo to Joe Biden, we need to stop the wars going on, we need to jettison the warlike mentality, we've become a warlike people, we need to sue for peace at every turn, ladies and gentlemen, and most wars could be avoided, did you know that? Yeah. Anyway, remember the Alamo and the heroes that were there? Uh, It was the 180, what, 185th anniversary of the Alamo? House passes H-R-1 radical election bill in an attempt to federally weaponize elections. In addition to that, Joe Biden over the weekend committed an executive order adding insult to injury. Uh, He should be arrested for his executive orders. He thinks he's in the Law-making branch of government, tis not so, ladies and gentlemen. Go look at your checks and balances to get it figured out, would you please, and do so in a hurry. By the way, the Equality Act is really the Inequality Act, uh, and that's uh, literally passing as well, along with massive stimulus checks. Beware, they're remaking the republic before your very eyes, and you will wake up in a country that you do not recognize if you're not very careful, my fellow Americans. I know you wanted a jettison Donald and you wanted to back Joe, but now, ladies and gentlemen, they have literally put something in the stew that you ain't going to like. Write it down. Remember who warned you first. That's a recap. Without further ado, news the network's refused to use starts now, and it starts with our good buddy, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. Welcome, sir. Thanks for having me, Sam. Good to be with you. You are very welcome indeed, my friend. Now, here's an interesting tidbit. Lowell uh, was uh, available on Friday night at the Highland Utah meeting. They have political, uh, patriotic meetings uh, once a month on Fridays. Lowell and others lead up that charge, and they had a very dear friend of mine there by the name of Caleb Warnock. And uh, Caleb's website, seedrenaissance.com. You probably didn't know that Caleb was a dear friend of mine, did you?
2: No, I didn't know that, Sam. Good to know. Why, goodness. How did you know
1: him? Years and years and years and years and years ago in Delta, Utah, I spent a lot of time with their family. He comes from Leamington and Linden or Leamington, Utah, and uh, I was working with his family quite a bit on a variety of different things uh, back in the day, so I know know Caleb quite well and consider him a dear, dear friend.
2: Oh, I'm delighted to know that, Sam. You know, I didn't know he was such a a funny, humorous fellow.
1: Oh, he's hilarious, and he's also (laughs) just a green thumb, buddy. (laughs)
2: That's for sure. Not only did he provide some excellent gardening tips, but also the best stand-up comedy I've heard in years, Sam. (laughs) I was just uh, enthralled, and and everybody who was there was just enthralled. They couldn't get enough of of Caleb Warnock. What a choice individual.
1: Yeah, he wrote Uh, for, I don't know if he writes now, but he wrote for the Daily Herald for a long time, too. He's a terrific writer.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know that he has a number of books I had no idea that he also wrote for The Daily Herald. My goodness sakes, you know he said he got to win a Nobel Prize <laughs> and now i'm uh, I'm believing it uh, even yeah, more and believe more it or not
1: he actually should
2: yeah, yeah, it's incredible what that guy knows and what he's done. I mean he talked about uh the in yeah the Utah's soil is not particularly good for growing. Uh, stuff You know, when he, he, he joked that when uh, Brigham Young came into the valley and said this is the right place, he wasn't talking about gardening. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If you, if you want to raise a garden in Utah, you know, according to Caleb, you, you, uh, this is, is not the right place. Soil is way too alkaline. And so he taught us how to make soil uh, that the seeds would love, you know, in which seeds could germinate successfully. He suggested that we use sky water, you know, rain water, you know, snow melt, basically, to germinate our seeds because the alkalinity of the of tap water or irrigation water uh, simply, you know, chokes and, and prevents the seed from germinating properly. Well, I had no idea about this stuff. I mean, I've been here on this planet for 60 years or more, and and I did not know that. You know, the tap the water that I'm drinking, <clears throat> you know, actually inhibits the germination of these little tiny seeds that I put in the ground every spring. <laughs> I am so amazed at what he showed us. I mean, he showed us how our ancestors hundreds of years ago, Sam, extended their growing seasons using a bell-shaped jar called a cloche. I, I'd never heard the word cloche before, but it's these uh, marvelous-looking, beautiful-looking glass jars that you put over a vegetable plant uh, to protect it from the cold. Well, I mean, that's, you know, if you're not uh, rich enough to, to have built a, a greenhouse <laughs> or savvy enough to build a greenhouse, because that's really the best way to, to garden here in, in Utah. And you can garden year-round, not just in the summertime, you know, spring, spring, summer, and fall. You can actually raise food. Year-round, here in Utah, yes, even in the winter. <laughs>
1: and, and by the way, let's be very clear, even colder climates, it works as well.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, Saturday, the day after Friday, um, you know, just two days ago this weekend, I, I toured his property uh, there in Alpine. He was having a class on building cold frames, and uh, I joined the class and uh, with uh, a couple dozen other people Uh, toured his property. I mean, he has got quite a number of greenhouses, um, many, many plants that he's growing there. He even has uh, lemon trees, Sam, where he's growing citrus fruit. Nobody grows lemons in Utah. Nobody. Uh, Caleb does,
1: buddy. (laughs) Caleb grows anything, anytime, anywhere. Uh, He brings back the old pioneer wisdom to modern times. I want to spend a little bit of time discussing His incredible, rare, and most important seed collections he's got, and he sells, because that's critical when it comes to free, what, access to food, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Ladies
3: and gentlemen, may I ask you, what is the KQ? You know, the kosher question. Most Americans will spend their entire lifetime purchasing food from the supermarkets while having no idea that almost every packaged food product on the grocery shelves is certified kosher. Indeed, the kosher question encompasses not only food and religion, but also affects our economics, politics, and our identity. In an effort to promote awareness to the kosher question, developers have published an app for your smartphone that features a database of food products that have not been kosher certified. The Koshertified app has prominent advertisement on TPC's homepage, or you can check out its website at thekosherquestion.com. With the cesspool of politics getting even deeper these days, why not leave the swamp and start eating in favor of your own interests? Check out thekosherquestion.com today and download the app.
4: As you all know, Roe versus Wade has resulted in some of the most permissive abortion laws anywhere in the world. For example, in the United States, it's one of only seven countries to allow elective late-term abortions, along with China, North Korea, and others. Right now, in a number of states, the laws allow a baby to be born from his or her mother's womb in the ninth month. It is wrong, it has to change. Americans are more and more pro-life. You see that all the time. In fact, only 12% of Americans support abortion on demand at any time. Under my administration, we will always defend the very first right in the Declaration of Independence. And that is the right to life.
1: All right, Lowell Nelson Campaign for Liberty.org with me on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about Caleb Warnock. Incredible presentation Friday night at the Highland, Utah meeting. But Lowell had the chance to go visit Warnock's property and check out the classes Caleb Warnock puts together. Just tremendous stuff. But Caleb, or Caleb, wow. Caleb is not only a multi-talented guy, he's funnier than all get out. But besides that, he uh, writes a lot of books and he's well known for his green thumb. No doubt about it. He brings back the pioneer viewpoint of things uh, where, you know what, he rejects GMO. Uh, and he's one of the, in my opinion, world leaders uh, in terms of preserving uh, free food. Lowell?
2: Yes. Um, th- these are seeds that, um, you know, when, when, when we say GMO, let's be very plain about this. GMO stands for Genetically Modified org- or, uh, Organism. And so GMO foods are foods that have been grown from a seed, which has been genetically modified in in ways that, that we we cannot begin to understand. Now, let me but,
1: explain but... genetically modified, because I know that word sounds kind of, hey, all we're doing is making food better and, you know, last longer and be more resilient to bugs. And I mean, at first, genetically modified sounds OK. You mm-hmm. think, oh, wow, well, you know, good farmers and good people are trying to change the food so that it's you know, it's better for us, and at first that sounds great. But it all depends on who has their hands on the technology, or who is doing the quote genetic modifications, and to what lengths they'll go for what purposes. The latest incarnation of genetically modified, in my mean means, or my mind means, man manipulated, mm-hmm. and man manipulated for their own control purposes, and that's really the big difference uh, in this uh, capability of. Who's in charge and for what is their agenda, Lowell?
2: Right. Um, most people, uh, like myself, thought that, that GMO meant that the seeds would be um, able to produce stronger, better plants. You know, hybrids, uh, we, we learned, you know, typically um, provide uh, plants that are more resistant to uh, bacteria or to disease, uh, and they produce better and bigger fruits. And and vegetables and so forth. I mean, and there may be some of that if if you if you do so naturally. If you cross uh, you know certain plants with other certain plants in a natural way, maybe that's true. But what happens with a hybrid is see a hybrid can't reproduce itself, generally speaking. And so if, if you're in charge, if you own the seed production capabilities of the planet and everybody has to buy their seeds from you, and you control the seeds, you genetically modify these seeds so that they don't reproduce, then you have committed a huge crime uh, and and without without people knowing it. That means they have to go back to you year after year to purchase seed because the plants that were germinated from the seeds they bought from you last year wouldn't reproduce.
1: And let's be very clear, God is the ultimate author. He did not lock down the method of food generation or food creation.
2: No, he said the earth is full. There is enough and to spare. That's, his plan is that you you plant a seed and it grows a plant and it reproduces after its own kind, right? I mean, a tomato will grow a tomato with, whose seeds grow tomato plants. You know, you don't get something weird, but you do get offspring. And these genetically modified organisms don't necessarily do that. And so the seed libraries of the of the uh, of the uh, collectivists, mm, those those globalists who want global control, they want seeds that don't reproduce. Not only does that choke the uh, creativity and the independence of mankind, because it forces them to be further dependent on these big. Uh, globalists, but it also results in food that is not nearly as healthy as as the foods that we're used to eating, because a food that can reproduce has vital elements and nutrients in it that helps us, human beings, the human beings reproduce and, and uh, carry on our species. But if we eat foods that don't, re- you know, watermelons, for example, used to have seeds in them. Well, they've genetically modified most watermelons nowadays. But they, they, they're seedless. What in the world are we doing eating seedless watermelon, Sam? That doesn't provide the nutrients that we need to, to, to reproduce. I mean, that, it, it's crazy to think about that, but, but that's what's happening. We eat oranges. There's seedless oranges, seedless tangerines, seedless everything because people don't want to bother with the seeds, they say. Well, I do. In my family, I don't I don't like watermelon that doesn't have seeds in it. I like I like the seeded melons. That yeah, I buddy, how are you going to have a and seed and fight them?
1: without no seeds there, bro? Come on now.
2: <laughs> well, the great thing that Caleb Warnock is doing is that he is preserving heirloom seeds. In other words, seeds that will reproduce themselves. Boy, it some of the rarest and most important seeds in the world. Caleb Specializes in the preservation of those plants and, and seeds that reproduce. Just wonderful. Single handedly, almost Sam. He searches, literally searches the globe for the last seeds of important historic varieties. He, he keeps alive many of the critical heirloom varieties. Um, he's written, as you said, books about this. Forgotten Skills of Self Sufficiency used by the Mormon pioneers is just one. You can reach him at calebwarnock.blogspot.com and also at seedsrenaissance.com. I just invite you warmly to get in excited, to get involved, turning your own backyard uh, into a renaissance. Uh, just, just wonderful. Thing. He doesn't use, um, he doesn't use uh, chemical fertilizer, pesticides, herbicides, and none of that stuff. Everything is organic that he does. Um. Yes, marvelous, Sam. He really, truly does deserve a Nobel Prize. Even though he jokes about it, I'm the more I've learned from him, the more I really believe he 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 earned has earned a Nobel Prize for peace in the world. And I hope he, you know, he says he after he dies that's when he'll get it. Well. <laughs>
1: No, and I, people I, don't I, understand. They <clears throat> ustera- underestimate. If you're not really a gardener, if you don't really understand seeds, you just kind of gloss over and go, nah, okay. But really, Caleb is doing one of the most critical works, in my opinion, of our time. Everyone, let me say it again, everyone who needs to eat, which, you know, hey, everyone, right, depends on uh, the work that Caleb is doing. Because once the control freaks have complete control, by genetically modified seeds that you won't be able to have reproduced. In other words, once you buy them from them, that's the end. And if they won't let you buy or sell, because maybe you don't have the COVID vaccine documentation, or I don't know what, when, I'm just telling you, I mean, these guys have created Frankenstein seeds, folks. And at first it sounds, you know, simple. Oh, hey, we want thinner orange peels so we can peel them. Okay. They, you know, made it ha- We want um, resistant to bugs. We want um, fruit that's robust and can grow in not the best growing seasons. And those things sound great. And if that's really all that they were talking about, it probably wouldn't be too bad. The problem is then when the control freaks get a handle on it, it's disaster. And that's really what we're seeing, and that's what real pushback is. But I digress, except to say that Caleb's work on this is really something. Lowell.
2: Yes, it is, And Not only – well, yeah, his backyard – is basically a garden. <laughs> I mean, everything back there, and he has seeds that will reproduce themselves, so he doesn't have to replant, and he doesn't have weeds. Ninety-nine percent of his backyard is weed-free. I mean, there occasionally there's a little creep in, maybe a weed here or there that blows in from the neighbors, but there are no weeds. Get that zero weeds in growing in his backyard because of the way he uh, kugel cultures his. His garden area, and so not only is he growing his own vegetables year round, but he's he's doing it in a way that uses less water than anybody else on the planet, and he doesn't have to replant because they the seeds reproduce themselves, and so it's like the Garden of Eden, almost Sam. When you when you walk into his backyard, I mean, and 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 but and he wants everybody to have that same Garden of Eden. In their own backyard, we, he wants a renaissance of, that, uh, of seeds in in our backyards because he doesn't want to be the only one <laughs> doing this important work. He wants you and me and and everybody listening to this uh, show to, to to have his own backyard uh, full of, of uh, uh, these heirloom seeds and producing food because he you know like Sam and I realizes that there may come a time when the globalists don't want us to. To be able to eat, because you can control a hungry person far easier than you can control a person who has is able to uh, to grow his own food. So there are many, many reasons to be involved in gardening, but particularly this type of gardening, because it perpetuates itself and it doesn't require much water and
1: basically runs itself. Sam, it's phenomenal. Yes, it is, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how to respond more than that except I consider Caleb a dear friend and I'm also convinced he is one of the people that single-handedly can make the difference between life and death for literally every one of us on the planet. LibertyRoundTable.com LovingLiberty.net on your radio.
0: Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
5: LSA Radio News with Lance Pride.
6: Thousands of protesters marched through Minneapolis streets Sunday urging justice for George Floyd on the eve of the start of the former police officer Derek Chauvin's trial over the 46-year-old's death. Mr. Chauvin claims George Floyd died of a drug overdose after videos show Mr. Floyd having packets of drugs in his mouth as he was being arrested. Jury selection procedures began Monday. Afghanistan's TOLO News reported Sunday, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken proposed in a letter to President Ashraf Ghani steps including a U.N.-facilitated summit to revive stalled peace talks between the Afghan government and the Taliban. Blinken expressed concerns of a potential spring offensive by the Taliban and that the security situation may worsen and the Taliban could make rapid territorial gain after an American withdrawal. There will be nine Major League Baseball spring training games Monday. The early games start at 1.05 p.m. Eastern with the Mets versus the Nationals and the Marlins versus the Cardinals going at it. USA Radio News.
5: It's happened. Since Election Day, more than 5 million people have downloaded the free Newsmax TV app from their smartphone store. It takes seconds, and with the free app, you can watch Newsmax TV right away. Most cable news channels require a paid subscription. Not Newsmax. You get real news whenever you want. At home, Newsmax TV is on all major cable systems. And it's free on OTT devices. Your smart TVs like Samsung, LG, Vizio, and Roku, YouTube, Zumo, and Pluto. Now the free smartphone app lets you watch Newsmax easily wherever you are. So check Newsmax.com online for breaking headlines. Then go to the Newsmax TV app to watch the latest news with Sebastian Gorka, Dick Morris, Greg Kelly, Diamond and Silk, Michelle Malkin, Mike Huckabee, Alan Dershowitz, and so much more. Newsmax is already the fourth highest rated cable news channel in America. Everyone is watching Newsmax because it's real news for real people.
6: President Biden continues to govern by executive order. Jeremy Scott from the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau reports.
7: The president's order alters the way the federal government handles elections, including increasing voter registration, access for criminals in prison and on probation. It directs every federal agency to prepare a plan in the next 200 days for how they can promote voter registration, such as mail-in ballots. Sunday marked 56 years since civil rights activists were viciously beaten in Alabama.
4: The blood of John Lewis and so many other brave and righteous souls that was spilled in Selma on this Sunday in 1965, sanctified a noble struggle. And when the country saw those images that night, America was forced to confront the denial of democracy, the fierce urgency of justice.
7: President Biden said every eligible voter should be able to vote and have that vote counted.
6: Executive orders have the effect of law. This is USA Radio News.
0: Promoting God, family, and country. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Radio.
1: All right, for those of you, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who want to grow in all seasons, you want natural seeds, not GMO stuff, the man to go to is Caleb Warnock. SeedRenaissance.com is website. Write that down, SeedRenaissance.com. Dot com Just like it sounds, no spaces, com I'm telling you, he does a tremendous job. Caleb Warnock sells some of the rarest and most important seeds in the world, specializing in year-round self-sufficient gardening for all climates. I'm telling you right now, the guy's a master green thumb. Wow, he's written books. he's The guy could single-handedly save us all from starvation if we follow his methods and And we really put stock in and understand uh, the seeds that he's collected single-handedly. The guy has just done a tremendous service to humanity in general. It's amazing. All right, moving right along. The National Security State Racket. Lol.
2: Another great article by Jacob G. Hornberger posted at ronpaulinstitute.org. He makes the observation, Sam, that some people are criticizing Biden for his airstrikes on Syria without a declaration of war by Congress. And this is truly an impeachable offense, of course. And and Trump and Obama and other presidents are guilty of that. Now, while he gets criticized for this, Hornberger suggests that maybe Biden did not make the decision to, uh, to uh, launch an airstrike on Syria. That's possible, right? Well, yeah, I think it's, really quite plausible. How, how about the national security establishment? Uh, we're talking about the Pentagon, the CIA, FBI, and so forth. Maybe they are the ones who made the decision, and maybe Biden simply deferred to their judgment. His national security advisors, for example, could have made the decision because they are influenced by the Pentagon. Well, most people are not willing to consider that possibility, but I think it really is quite likely that the uh, national security establishment here in the U.S. regime is making U.S. foreign policy decisions. (laughs) Uh, Hornberger asks this question, Sam. He says, quote, when was the last time that Congress significantly reduced the budgets for the national security establishment? You'll never see it. That's because the national security establishment controls Congress. No member of Congress, especially the military and CIA veterans, would dare to take them on. If he did, He would be toast because the Pentagon would immediately retaliate by threatening to close down military projects or bases in his district. The Pentagon's and the CIA's assets and the mainstream press would immediately take the offensive and accuse the congressman of being ineffective. He would be out in the next election, end of quote. (laughs) Boy, that's uh, telling it like it is. Well, President Eisenhower warned about this type of influence in 1961. That's like 60 years ago, damn. Yes, yeah, 60 years. 60 years ago. And the National Security Establishment has only grown stronger and more powerful since then. Uh, Hornberger says that JFK took these people on directly by heeding Eisenhower's warnings, in other words. And that was why JFK played an instrumental role in bringing uh, to the the marketplace a a movie entitled Seven Days in May uh, to serve as a warning to the American people. Now, I'd never heard about the movie Seven Days in May, but I took a look at the trailer last night, and um, I think that's a movie that I want to take a look at. Um, But uh, Americans never paid heed to these warnings. And so for the next 40 years, uh, the National Security Establishment milked the war on communism, right, the Red Scare, the Cold War, basically, by engendering fear in the American people, fear of the Russians, so they would continue to vest the Pentagon, the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, and so many other agencies back there with more power and influence and money. And when JFK decided to end the Cold War racket, he was dealt with. And the message to the American people was loud and clear, don't fight us, we are in charge you get used to it. (laughs) That was the message. And that kind of describes our situation today. Um, Hornberger writes, it's now a fear-mongering, perfect storm. Terrorists, Muslims, Russia and China, and for good measure, Syria, North Korea, ISIS, the Taliban, al-Qaeda, drug dealers, illegal immigrants, unsafe world everywhere. (laughs) So he ends his column, Sam, this way. He says, if our American ancestors had been told that the Constitutional Convention was bringing into existence a national security state type of government structure, they never would have approved the deal. The only reason they approved the deal was because they were assured that the Constitution was bringing into existence a limited government republic. End of quote. (laughs) Well, I believe he is right, Sam. The national security state today is the root cause of many of our problems, we have allowed it to get way above us, to stray from the limitations placed on it by the states via the Constitution. And so the solution, this being Solutions Radio, as you like to say, Sam, is to return to the enforcement of those limitations. Return to the blueprint for liberty. Now, states could help a lot with this if they refuse to deploy their men in, in any conflict uh, that doesn't have the Congressional Declaration of War, as required by the constitution sam and so this is um, a great summary of the awful predicament in which we find ourselves but the solution is to return to the blueprint for liberty the constitution for the united states sam
1: not only is this the solution now but it's always been and will forever be the solution ladies and gentlemen look it's very clear when it comes to god it's the scriptures It's obedience to God's commandments, starting with the Ten Commandments and the two great commandments that the commandments hang upon or the law hangs upon, which is love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor, right? So those 12 ideologies from a God perspective is the starting point. When it comes to families, we're talking about a God-ordained traditional family with a mother and a father, welcoming children and the procreated power only given to a man and woman by God Almighty, uh, where... um, the whole generations of society can continue. The family can continue. Are we hating of anybody else? No. We're just pointing out the solutions and the way to move forward uh, effectively. God, family, and then country. The supreme law, the land, the constitution. Understanding that rights come from we the people. That government exists because we think government has a proper role. A very limited constitutional proper role. And we believe it's based on God's laws. And this proper rule of government, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, articulated or codified by the Declaration of Independence, explaining that government gets its rights from we, the people. Okay, just government is from the consent of the people. They derive their just powers from our consent, delegated authority, ladies and gentlemen. And we can only give them authority that we already have to give. So understand those fundamental principles and then codifying that in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, explaining, hey, here's how it works. We've given you power, but we've given checks and balances to divide it vertically and horizontally to make sure no one gets too powerful. And in that venue, the God, family, and country scenario, that is where solutions are. Any other plan will be an absolute failure. All right? It's that simple. So this national security state, is a racket. Jacob Hornberger doing a phenomenal job, as he always does. Now, Tony Fossey uh, seems to almost have dictatorial powers without any checks and balances these days. Lowell?
2: And that's because the government policies are uh, fashioned uh, in a way that he wants them uh, to be uh, formulated. Um, and now, this next piece from uh, John Rappaport is talking about the swine flu uh, epidemic of, uh, of 2009. Why do we want to bring this up? Well, because I want to uh, prove that Fauci is not to be trusted, nor is the CDC. And yet, we have we live in an environment now where government entities across the country. Do bow to the CDC and to Tony Fauci, and, and the story will tell you why we should not be doing that. In in the summer of 2009, people were urged to take the new swine flu vaccine. Um, and uh, in, in fact, uh, Robert Kennedy writes about that. He says, for example, Fauci once shielded for the fast track H1N1 influenza swine flu vaccine on YouTube reassuring viewers in 2009 that serious adverse events were, quote, very, very, very rare, end quote. Shortly thereafter, the vaccine went on to wreak havoc in multiple countries, increasing miscarriage risks in pregnant women in the U.S., provoking a spike in adolescent narcolepsy in Scandinavia, and causing convulsions, convulsions in one in every 110 vaccinated children in Australia prompting Australia to suspend its influenza vaccination program in children under five years old. That's what uh, Robert Kennedy wrote about, about that swine flu thing. Now, now Rappaport says that's only half of the swine flu story, and that is an ugly half, but there is another half of the story which involves an astounding hope, which was surely something of which Fauci was aware, Sam.
1: Not only has he been aware, but he's been aware over and over and over, and he keeps moving forward with the same control-style communist agenda. Quick pause, Lil Nelson on your radio.
8: As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's advanced distance education program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org.
9: As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, The nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley.
0: Begging politicians, bureaucrats, and educrats, and all do-getters to please obey the supreme law of the land, the Constitution. This is Liberty Roundtable.
1: All right, the website's campaignforliberty.org. Riding shotgun with me always on Mondays and Fridays, first hour. Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org is the website. Lowell do it a phenomenal job highlighting... Uh, this article, really, that lays it out, in my opinion, so succinctly, Fauci is simply not to be trusted. The guy's waffled everywhere. He has not called people on the carpet when he should. I'll give you a quick example and then straight to Lowell. You know, um, the cycles that are used for these, um, what are they called, PCR tests, uh, cannot be above 35 or the test becomes unreliable. Now, if Fauci has mentioned that in passing, so he's gone on record stating the fact. But he has not done anything to help the media understand this and push this reality and to hold these testing partners accountable for when their tests run over 35. Why are the tests running over 35? Who's doing it, making them unreliable? Fauci has documented the science. That's true. So these tests are unreliable. But then they, uh, they, along with Fauci, say, well, you can count on the numbers. Well, how can he say you can count on the numbers, but any cycles over 35 makes it unreliable and then not hold these uh companies that make the tests accountable for that and who's running these tests intentionally over 20 35 and why see there's a disconnect here going on ladies and gentlemen and then they say oh my gosh it's horrible the pcr testing numbers are going down less people are getting tested and they're going "Ah, this is horrible it was one of the main staples to solve the cocoa but you know what why are you guys giving tests that we know are inherently unreliable and then you're mad when we don't want to take them Folks, this disconnect is beyond imagination, and this is the simplest of what Fauci has done. He is not to be trusted is the main thrust of the article, though.
2: That's right, Sam. He was recommending a dangerous vaccine for protection against an epidemic that did not exist. It did not exist. His colleagues at the CDC were creating the hoax. The CDC was claiming there were thousands and thousands of flying food cases in the United States, yet the CDC had stopped counting cases of swine flu. They didn't tell anybody, but they had stopped counting swine flu cases in the summer of 2009. Why? Because, as Cheryl Atkinson discovered, routine lab tests of tissue samples from swine flu patients was overwhelmingly coming back with no sign of swine flu or any other kind of flu, for that matter. Atkinson wrote an article about the scandal. It was published on the CBS News website. But then the story got spiked. No other major news outlet picked up the story, and we were not told the story, uh, in, in, except for Cheryl Axon's uh, brave, uh, courageous uh, exposure of this. We wouldn't know about this, this uh, hoax. But the CDC keeping the, the true swine flu case numbers secret, the public was, public was not well informed, so many people continued to get their children an experimental vaccine uh, that was not necessary. But that wasn't the end of the story, Sam. After Atkinson's findings were published on the CBS News website, the CDC, in a panic, decided to double down. If one lie is exposed, they thought, well, you tell a bigger lie. And that's what they did. On November 12th of 2009, near the end of that year, a WebMD article published the CDC's response, quote, shockingly 14 million to 34 million u.s residents the cdc's best guess is 22 million came down with h1n1 swine flu by october 17th of 2009 end of quote that was the webmd article published by the cdc promulgated by the cdc it was a flat out lie they were not even counting the number of cases and yet they lie like this And so, folks, your eyeballs should be popping right out of your head right now. So fast forward to today. Can we believe anything that the CDC is saying about COVID? That's a big fat no. Can we believe that the CDC is saying uh, what they're saying about the diagnostic test that Sam just described, the masks, the lockdowns? Well, no, absolutely not. Can we believe anything that Fauci says? That, too, should be answered with a big fat no. One would be foolish. To
1: do so, Sam. You well, can't and the evidence—the evidence is so all over the map. And then, if the evidence wasn't enough, okay, we can debate the evidence. They can talk about the evidence. They can disagree on the evidence. I'm okay with that discussion. Uh, a great example are masks. You know what? Historically, uh, they say masks aren't good. Then we do more studies, and they say, "Oh, you got to have a mask." Fauci says no mask, then Fauci changes and says, well, I lied, no mask, yeah, you need a mask, but I didn't want everybody to take them away from the health care providers, and so I lied. Sorry, now we have enough masks, it's good to go, you should have a mask. And then we go on, and now there's even evidence, modern times, from uh, our government agencies that say masks don't do any good, they don't help at all. So we've literally spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on masks. We've forced everybody to cover up, and we've created this kind of crisis in society about masks. We've allowed people to get tased and beat up and kicked out of places and everything else, only to find out that masks don't really do the good they claim they did. Now, that debate can happen all day. I get it. This is America. But when you start to act like somebody's a criminal for not wearing a mask, or act like somebody does not have the right to their belief that masks are unsafe and ineffective, and then you start to literally ridicule and mock and arrest and outlaw and fine and i go on and on and on over the masks you have lost your marbles when it comes to the principles that made america great you have lost your understanding of who government really is they derive their consent or their power from the consent of the governed their authority from us we the people who consent And you know what? We've consented to say the legislative bodies can make laws. We haven't consented to these governors and presidential uh, edicts coming out as if they're kingmakers. We have not consented to that. We've consented to them having delegated authority based on checks and balances, based on the separation of powers, which they are violating, and they should be arrested and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law for their abuses thereof. I digress, except to say, ladies and gentlemen, we better be very careful Indeed, with this, Tony Fossey and the swine flu hoax, betrayal of trust, John Rappaport. But it should be saying the COVID, the big hoax, they're not to be trusted. Amen to that reality check. Moving right along, experimental vaccinations and the death rate for Israel. We've mentioned this on the broadcast last week, but it's worth highlighting and focusing on a couple of more details. lol
2: uh, last week, a news analysis of vaccine-related deaths in Israel concluded that COVID-19 vaccines are not safer than the virus itself. In fact, they concluded that the Pfizer vaccine there is 40 times as deadly as the virus itself. And so, you look at these numbers in the age, If you're old, if you're older than 65 years in uh, uh, of age there in Israel, and were given the Pfizer vaccine, 200 people out of 100,000. Uh, died. That's an astonishing number. This is compared with with the 4.91 people who die out of a 100,000 people who die from COVID-19 without vaccination, right? So if you're in Israel, you're over 65 years of age and you get COVID, then five out of 100,000 people would die. But if you're in that same age category and you get the Pfizer vaccine, then 200 Out of 100,000 people will die. I mean, that was and that was the study of a five-week period. Now these vaccines have not been around that long, so this is very early. But that's what we're being. That's what we're learning from uh, from Israel right now. That's an astonishing number, and and for those below age 65, it's worse. Uh, During the same five-week period, 50. Out of 100,000 people died after vaccination, that's compared with 0.19 people per 100,000 dying from COVID who were not vaccinated in the younger category, age category. So this I'm telling you, Sam, this so-called vaccine, which you and I both know is not a vaccine, is bad news. We know that. It's not a vaccine. It doesn't keep you from getting the disease, although it may suppress some of its symptoms. And it may rewrite important aspects of your immune system such that your body will not be able to defend you against pathogens out there in the big world. In fact, your body might be trained to kill itself. At the and ladies and level. gentlemen,
1: let's be very clear about this. They don't know the long-term effects of the vaccine. that They call a vaccine this, this uh, literally genetically modified or, or RNA-tweaking uh, uh, technology. They don't know long-term what it will do. Okay, and if they say that they do know or that it's not a big deal, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't have any evidence. So they claim no long-term effects without evidence, one of their famous phrases, right? And that's really, really important to understand if you debate or discuss this with anybody. All right, before the end of the hour, I want to tease this topic. And, Lowell, if you can remember to bring this back on Friday for greater discussion, because there's too many key points to discuss uh, and we don't have enough time, but I want to I want to tease it and give a summary. Uh, and that is about this Utah legislative session. I call it the 45 days of terror ends. Thank heavens. Uh, but let's call it the summary on the 21 or 2021 Utah legislative session. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly. Let's do a summary and then let's try to dig into it on Friday in great detail. Shall we?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that would be uh, that, that's a good approach. I like it. Now, we don't. I don't think this was a terrible session, a general session. I think we did regain a few liberties. Uh, I would actually give the legislature a C plus grade. You know, that's just slightly above average or slightly above moderate. Now, one disappointment, Sam, was the lack of real election reform. See, I, I want to return to paper ballots. I want you know, 30 years ago, that's what we used: paper ballots and it was cast in person on election day. Not election month, but on election day, and then counted by three election judges in each precinct in the state. That's what we did 30 years ago. It worked great. Those so three election judges they counted the ballots and they called in the numbers to the county clerk, and then they looked at the at, uh, they made sure that the pub that the uh, uh, that the county clerk published the numbers that they called in, and there was transparency at every level. No more voting by mail. No more, you know, except for voters who request absentee ballots, right? I mean, these are some of the reforms that we ought to make in every state of the union, so that we can trust the uh, uh, the elections. And 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 there really was, I mean, there was some tweaking around the edges or about election election law here in the state of Utah, but no real substantive reform. I was that was a huge disappointment in light of the fact of of the presidential election of 2020 in light of the fact that it was just voter fraud and election fraud uh, just in your face. Uh, So that was a big disappointment. Another disappointment was that the reform of the Emergency Powers Act, you know, it sort of happened, but didn't go far enough. Well, the good news there is that the power of the executive was curbed somewhat. And so it's better now than before. But, you know, it just didn't quite go far enough. We still are going to have county health departments and state health departments telling us what to do, you know, and and the legislature didn't just didn't exercise enough of muscle there. But uh, those are two or three of the you know overall summary type observations that I would make. Um, about the utah 2020 general session of the legislature
1: constitutional um, carry now the law of the land in utah uh, huge they violated the second amendment for too, far too long and thank heavens we've recovered from that how many overall bills were there Lowell? you know
2: uh, over 500 were approved by the state house by the state legislature they considered nearly a thousand and i followed uh, only about 40 of them but um, you know yeah, with mixed results. Some were good, some were bad, and some were ugly. Ladies and gentlemen, ugly. how do
1: you follow a 1,000 bills in 45 days? All I'm telling you is this. I call it the reign of terror, and thank heavens it's over. Summary of the 2021 Utah Legislative General Session. Thank heavens the reign of terror is finally over, Lowell. Thanks so much. <laughs> You're welcome, Sam. There he goes. Godspeed, doing a phenomenal job. Will Nelson joins us on Friday for a detailed breakdown. Of that legislative session uh, it's critical because the same things are happening in your states God save the Republic
0: broadcasting live From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show.
1: Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow American, Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the network's refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for March 8th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our two of two, and our goal always to promote God, family, and country to protect life, liberty, and property, to do so using the supreme law that I am, the Constitution for the United States of America, to return the republic to its former glory by obedience to the principles of God, family, and country. And ladies and gentlemen, by the consent of the governed, they derive their just power. When they uh, take power that is not delegated and separated by the consent of the governed, they're out of line and lawless. Let's be very, very crystal clear on that point. By the way, last hour we had on... uh, Lowell Nelson, and the reason I bring this up is because he attended a meeting Friday night with a Caleb Warnock. Now, Caleb, by the way, is a dear friend of mine. But Caleb Warnock spoke at the Highland-Utah meeting last Friday. Not only did he provide an excellent gardening uh, series of tips, but it's the best comedy (laughs) Lowell's heard in years. Anyway, uh, you know what? Caleb is just super talented. He really, really is. SeedRenaissance.com is the website. Uh, Dr. Bradley's with me and I emailed the details to you, Scott, so you can get it out to the people that, that, uh, you know, want you to communicate with them and that listen to your webinars and a whole lot more, but it's just simply seed seed S E D renaissance. Um, so there's two E's S E E D and then renaissance R E N A I S S S S A N C E. Seedrenaissance.com, just like it sounds and uh caleb warnock collects and sells some of the rarest and some of the most important seeds in the world he specializes in year-round self-sufficient gardening for all climates i'm telling you the guy knows absolutely what he's talking about he brings the pioneer days forward in a way that is just incredible he single-handedly could be the guy that makes it so we can all eat i kid you not just put two words together, com, and you got it. Uh, and Scott, I emails you those details as well. I wanted to take a minute to kind of drill into that because I know people are very interested in the work from Caleb Warnock. and He's, he's written a bunch of books. Uh, he's a terrific writer. He used to write for the Daily Herald. I think he's got too busy, and he doesn't have time for that now. I don't, I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a while. But nevertheless, the guy's just tremendous in every way. Dr. Bradley, welcome, sir.
10: Well, thank you. You know, it's interesting that it generated enough interest that you know people that knew I was going to be on during your second hour, had texted me and said, "Hey, see if you get the details." You know, they weren't able to write it down, but uh, it is interesting in this world of genetically modified everything and complete of where we're going with human beings and this mRNA COVID nonsense, as you know, and and the uh, the pesticides and and uh, the. Uptake that they have of of uh, things, chemicals that literally are probably causing a whole plethora of health issues. This idea of being able to have you know heritage type seeds that will grow uh, you know the old fashioned way, if you will, without the uh, you know what they've done with a lot of the seeds and 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 their chemical treatments of, of soils is they do it for commercialization. They want things to grow fast. They want them to look pretty and uh, they want to, you know, have a certain appearance and everything, but, but the nutritional value is, is virtually, well, I can't say zero, but it's it's approaching that in some instances because It has the,
1: seriously lost a lot of its mojo, that's for sure, and you can see it in the health of the people.
10: Well, I, I think, honestly, uh, there's, I mean, along with the uh, vaccine damage things that are happening with the plethora of, of uh, um, autoimmune system problems, the... Things like uh, autism, this, uh, this things of, I mean, cancer, and I mean, it's a whole spectrum of things that didn't seem to really uh, be around. I mean, diabetes, things that that kill the kidneys, kill the, the pancreas, and and it's like, holy cow, why has there been a, just an avalanche of things since the um, uh, introduction of um, the the world in which. Uh, pharma is basically held harmless for all of their uh, egregious uh, efforts to make tons of money. And and the people are being shoehorned into a situation that really is destroying their health. So, yeah, I think that stuff like this, and, and, and Heritage Seeds may not be the whole solution to everything, but certainly, you know, the chemicals and the pharma and all those kind of other things have got to be considered... In in what just seems like, as I said, an avalanche of health issues that that just didn't exist when I was young. I mean, when I was young, it was a far different world. I mean, even wheat, wheat was was an ancient type wheat when I was young, and and uh, my wife's grandfather was a large wheat farmer, and uh, the wheat today is a vastly different wheat than it was in the old days, and um, you know, this idea of wheat is for man has almost become a uh, Uh, Well, uh, a lost aphorism because uh, some of the grains and so on that are being grown and how they harvest them—you know how they use chemicals to kill them in a, you know, in a uh, almost an instantaneous way, so everything you know dries out at the same rate, so you can harvest them faster, but it leaves the chemicals on them to be put into our foodstuffs. I mean, the whole cycle of things has become so chemicalized and. Industrialized that that the old solid substantive you know food standbys have gone by the way and and another thing that's interesting I know we maybe ought to get off this topic quickly but I am astonished as I've done research on some of these uh, food charts that are put out about you need to have so many you know helpings of this every day and so many of that they're written by lobbyists that those aren't nutritionally established unless somebody's paid for a a, uh, a study that that came to that conclusion um you know this idea of, of you got you know you've seen probably well maybe maybe when you were young it wasn't this way Sam but I'm telling you I remember the the triangles that they'd put up and you got to have so many of this and so many of that so yeah, many of Yeah they had the four was,
1: food groups with the pyramids when I was a kid right Right and and the thing is those were those were
10: written by basically lobbyists and and again if there are quote unquote studies that indicate the importance of these things they were bought and paid for studies and and I've spent enough time in the university world to to know that the uh, people paying for the for the study were the ones that were they, they had a preconceived outcome they were looking for. I'm not just talking about um, uh, you know it, it, in food and stuff like that I, I'll give you an example one time. I had been speaking about uh, the idea of creating special classes of people based upon uh, sexual preference and 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 how that violated every principle that anybody ever had thought of and and I got contacted by a research scientist uh, that that was studying the uh, HIV8 and uh, he was he was very well endowed in terms of financial support from the Uh, lobby that was pushing HIV-AIDS kind of ascendancy, if you will, and uh, the groups of people that were behind that, and so he received a great deal of funding from that, and he contacted me on the phone and asked me if he could meet me one time, and uh, it was in a university setting, and and he picked a place. He says, "Here's the location I'd like to meet you." It was in a in, in an alley. It wasn't a dark alley. It was during the day, <laughs> but it was an alleyway between two buildings. There were no windows or doorways in in that alleyway. That there was just solid walls on both sides of us. And he says, "I asked to meet you here." He says, "Because what I'm going to tell you, I can't have anybody over here." He said um, uh, that that would absolutely destroy my my, uh, livelihood. He said, I I would no more receive any more grants or contracts in this field because it is very agendized. But he told me, uh, because there had been been questions about whether or not there was a genetic link to same-sex attraction, and he said in all the years of research that he had done, and he was a PhD scientist that was a lead kind of investigator on these kinds of things, and he told me that in all the years he had done, he said he says I like can absolutely, unequivocally state there is not a genetic link between same-sex attraction. He says so. The idea that somehow this could be linked to a uh, a civil rights issue, like you know, you don't pick what color you are, and and so maybe this could be something that would be rolled into the you know the. Civil Rights Act stuff, and by the way, we could talk about that at some length, too, probably, because of what's been happening in a Congress, but at any rate, he says, I cannot, he says, I mean, because I was very excited, I said, will you come speak with me about these issues? I can't. I, I would destroy my my uh, complete livelihood, but, but that's the way things are done. The uh, researchers get the money, and they have a preconceived notion about what's going to come out. I talked to one PhD. I asked him, uh, in in his research, if he found anomalies in his research that that did not reinforce the perceived outcome they were looking for, I says, "What do you do with those?" And he says, "I discard them." It's like I says, "Isn't that dishonest to the core?" He says, "But that's not the information or the outcome we're looking for." So a lot of these things that happen are absolutely. They're manipulated and, not and only, honestly, not
1: only is it the per- perceived outcome that they push for, ladies and gentlemen, but it's intentionally manipulated so you don't know the truth. And the same th- sex attraction thing, you know, proves the point. They push narratives that they know are fault. It's not just that they want the outcome to, to peddle something for money, it's about control and about absolute, complete fake news propaganda. Okay, so he knows full well that there's no single link to this same-sex attraction, genetically speaking, but yet they push the envelope that, hey, this may not be a choice that people could choose. This may be something beyond their control. They're genetically born with it. They know that that's a blatantly false reality. They're peddling. They know it full well. And what it really does is strikes at the heart of your agency, your ability to choose. And they have allowed the media to not only propagandize the lie that it's not really a choice, but then to propagandize the acceptance of these behaviors as if we're animals and have no choice or control. Let's finish up on that, and then I want to talk about the big $1.9 trillion bill that just got passed.
11: Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money?
8: Daddy,
1: what is a
8: buy-sell spread for gold coins?
11: Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org.
12: Why don't we say to the government, writ large, that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better having a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's gonna do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money.
0: With news the networks refuse to use. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show.
1: All right, his website is freedomsrisingsun.com. He's Dr. Scott Bradley, and he's with me on your radio. We're talking about same-sex attraction. And they play games with words to uh, illustrate and to promote their, in my opinion, erroneous conclusions based on a control-style agenda. They say the new study published... In the journal Science, listen, is not the first to explore the link between genetics and same-sex behavior. Then they say this, no gay gene, but genetics linked to same-sex behavior. Okay, that's the headline. All right. But then they go on. If you read a little further, they say, but we can't predict same-sex attraction. So what they want to say is no single gene. You can turn it off, turn it off, makes you gay or whatever else. No gay gene. But yet a series of genes um, and the changes in those genetic patterns do denote same-sex attraction. But then they say, but we can't predict it. Mm. So how educated am I? What are they really saying? And the answer is they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. They're trying to make you believe with their headlines uh, manipulated things. And then when the science really backs it up, they don't know. They see a difference in patterns, but we don't know what that different patterns really are associated with. They assume it's the same-sex attraction, but they can't prove it, and they can't predict it, doctor. And that's why they're dishonest in their delivery, to say the least.
10: Well, like I say, they're paid to deliver a message. And and uh, like I say, they're, if you throw out data that, that is uh, opposite of what you're looking for, and I could give you many, many examples from – conversations of numerous, I mean, these are world-class, highly renowned, full professor, world, you know, kind of class kind of people on a whole plethora of subjects, whether it's uh, global warming, or it's about nutrition, or it's about same-sex attraction, or it's about gender and uh, leadership, or uh, snakes. I mean, (laughs) that sounds like a funny thing to throw in the end, but I know of a, a tragic story because of something that happened because a, um, a court testimony was bought and paid for by a state that wanted to convict somebody based upon what I know from personal conversation, this highly renowned, uh, very expert individual plagiarized and uh, not plagiarized. He, he basically he lied through his teeth to get because the state had paid him to bring a certain testimony to the courtroom. I mean, these kinds of things happen all the time. And, and, and you know, that's what's a pro- kind of a problem in the, in the whole system we've got right now. And, and we could look at the criminal justice system, for example, which I've, t- I've talked before on your program, how, if anything, the American founding fathers biased the criminal justice system in favor of the, of the accused because they did not ever want a, an innocent individual to suffer for something they hadn't committed and uh, and what's happened now is is that the the justice is is not being served and and that was one of the reasons for the American revolution was that justice was not found in the system that they had because there, there was a lot of issues of of the way it was carried out arbitrarily by the king's officers if you will all of these things, and we can go back even to the Declaration of Independence and read about these things, but the idea of justice being available to people in the American system was something they sought for through the government that they established under the American founding fathers, and and that justice or or the truth being exposed is, is becoming more questionable all the time because the way things are biased nowadays, and and I, I just think it's it's a tragic travesty how people manipulate. Um, I'll just give you a couple of real quick examples. There's no... Um, in, in the Humanist Manifesto, there is a statement that says, ethics is situational and autonomous. That means ethics is based upon the situation you're in, and autonomous means it's a standalone decision. You, you can't have firm... Uh, okay... This, this applies across-the-board kind of concepts, and uh, without going into a whole lot of detail about a conversation I had with some young students at one point um, about they were in a, a very, very kind of you know high-class, high if you will, um, prep school that was preparing them for the Ivy League schools, and, and I was told flat out that, that every single day, every single one of them cheated to get high grades uh, on whether it's uh, their classes they were taking or their standardized tests or whatever. And uh, and I asked one girl outright, I said, she was talking about these others that cheated. I said, do you cheat? She says, absolutely. I said, why? She says, we can't, because you can't compete unless you do. And so here were these, uh, you know, the the best of the best, if you will, that were to be the leaders, if you will, you know, the ones that are in the Wall Street attorneys and, and, and the, the politicians or whatever, you pick whatever they're grooming them for, and uh, they cheated their way through school because they felt like that was necessary in order to succeed. But but that's based upon the humanist education system, situation, uh, ethics, autonomous, and situational. You cannot say, you know, truth is truth anymore to these people. Well, and, so, and,
1: and the, that's the, what we're the looking. problem with all these things um, – Dr. Bradley, is there are or is, depending on, you know, a grain of truth to situational ethics. And let me explain so that you get it. There is a moral imperative priority that we must all go through when making decisions. Okay. And sometimes you're in a rock and a hard place and there are decisions that you have to make uh, to um, come out on the other side with a moral high ground. And so there are some situational ethics that do apply uh, when you look at God's laws. The problem is it runs off the rails when you have a motive that makes you lose the moral high ground. In other words, I have to cheat to compete. You've lost the moral high ground. You don't need to cheat to compete. You might say you do, but what you need to do from a moral imperative is say, hey, I'm going to expose this fraud that everybody's cheating. That's above the need to cheat to compete kind of an idea. And I'll give you an example. If you're out in the middle of the ocean and you've got two five-year-old kids on one end of a plank and a 15-year-old kid on the other end of the plank. And the second you move, somebody hits the water. But you can't stay there forever because you're going to starve, right? What do you do? Who do you save? How do you go about solutions? And and the moral imperatives, there are a prioritization of moral realities that you've got to do right? Um, Number one, if I'm out in the middle of the ocean like that, first off, I don't know who I'd save. I don't even know if I could save myself. So the first thing I personally would do would be to turn to God and say, you know what? There's got to be something outside of the scope of my options that I see here in a mortal frame, a a mortal state of mind. There's got to be a better saving answer than I've got in front of me. Lord, help me discover it quickly, please. And turn to God Almighty for guidance and direction and safety. Uh, And then going about what I do for solutions, I would have to take some chances. But my goal would always be the most preservation of life for me. And I would like to save all three of them, the two on one end and the one on the other end. uh, And myself, I'd like to save all four of us. Will I be able to? I don't know. I'm going to have to take some chances. But I'm going to strategically take chances based on this moral hierarchy, this hierarchy of morals that we do. So here's the problem. There is some truth to this relative moral discussion Uh, When you're in the rock in a hard place, the question is, do you use a moral compass of governing values to decide this based on God's laws? Or do you toss it to the wind and say, because that exists in reality in a very limited scope, that I can exploit that for my own purposes and say it's relative across the board? So God's laws are solid across the board with few exceptions. Uh, The relativism folks say, hey, it's just situational. Whenever I want to exploit it for whatever purposes I want to, with an immoral compass at the helm, I can do. Your thoughts, doctor?
10: Well, let me just read a few lines out of Thomas Jefferson's letter to his nephew, Peter Carr, back in 1785. I I give this to all young people that I teach. In fact, I've got a group of young people right now I'm doing a 12-week course with, but uh, I I just gave them this letter last week. Says whenever, and this is just a little segment out of it. Whenever you do a thing, although it can never be known but to yourself, ask yourself how you would act were all the world looking at you, and act accordingly. Encourage all your virtuous dispositions and exercise them whenever an opportunity arises, being assured that they will gain strength by exercise, as a limb of the body does, and that exercise will make them habitual. From the practice of the purest virtue. You may be assured you will derive the most sublime comforts in every moment of life and in the moment of death. If you find yourself environed with difficulties and perplexing circumstances, out of which you are at a loss how to extricate yourself, do what is right, and be assured that that will extricate you the best out of the worst situations. Though you cannot see when you take one step what will be the next, yet follow truth, justice, and plain dealing and never fear they're leading you out of the labyrinth in the easiest manner possible the knot which you thought a gordian one will untie itself before you nothing is so mistaken as the supposition that a person is to extricate himself hey, tight. from the round
1: table live
2: protecting your
10: liberties you're listening
0: to liberty news radio
5: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
6: Two more women came forward over the weekend claiming the Democrat governor of New York, Andrew Cuomo, of sexual improprieties. U.S. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on Sunday said he backed an investigation into sexual harassment allegations against Governor Andrew Cuomo, made by five women, most of them former aides. The U.S. House of Representatives is set to vote on Wednesday on a pair of bills to expand background checks before gun purchases. Two years after a similar House effort failed to make it through the Senate. Mackenzie Scott, philanthropist, author, and former wife of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, has married Dan Jewett, a Seattle science teacher who expressed gratitude for the exceptional privilege it will be to partner in giving away money with the potential to do so much good when shared. A Chinese-approved COVID-19 vaccine has led to two people dying and two people in ICU after 83,400 people received the Sinovac vaccine in Hong Kong. USA Radio News.
8: Balance of nature is fruits and vegetables in a capsule changing the world one life
1: at a time. The product that you've given me here is, as far as I'm concerned, sent to me from heaven. I love it a great deal. It's hard to find anything that's real nowadays. I enjoy it immensely. It's making my life so much better. I feel so much better. And during this pandemic, I have no worries whatsoever. My immune system has gotta be at a top-notch level. I don't seem to get colds or anything. I don't know what getting sick is anymore. This is so cool.
8: Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800 That's 800 246 Or by going to balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code USA.
6: George Floyd jury selection begins Monday. Jeremy Scott from the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau reports.
7: Derek Chauvin is charged with murder and manslaughter in Floyd's death last
5: May. George Floyd's family, as the victims who I represent, have been informed that they have every intention of the trial going forward. The Floyd family's attorney, Ben
7: Crump, tells CBS's Face the Nation it's his hope that police reform is part of President Joe Biden's legacy.
5: We need systematic change and reform in policing. And I know millions of black people went out and voted with George Floyd and Breonna on their mind. Government buildings
7: in downtown Minneapolis are fenced off in anticipation of possible demonstrations. Some businesses have boarded up or closed. Floyd died after Chauvin kneeled on his neck for several minutes
6: as he repeated, I can't breathe. Chauvin's defense team claims Mr. Floyd died of a drug overdose from drugs he was hiding in his mouth when arrested. USA Radio News.
1: We're discussing how to make decisions, ladies and gentlemen, and I agree we've got to reject the complete relative idea that whatever you want to do for your own selfish best interests makes sense. I reject that relativism, re- relativism idea completely. However, I will say that there is a hierarchy, if you will, of moral imperative that's worthy of discussion. Uh, and what happens is just like capitalism is a wonderful thing, naked capitalism where there's no morals involved is a horrible thing. It's taken to the extreme. Same th- th- with this discussion. There are moral imperatives. Um, there are circumstantial differences. For example, you know what? Thou shalt not kill is a commandment, but if you're in a war scenario, forced by your country to go to war and you end up uh, in your effort to preserve life, you take someone's life, have you murdered? Is it the same? Is intentionally murdering somebody for gain? Okay, so there are moral imperatives that, that relate. There are a hierarchy or there is a hierarchy of uh, moral realities that we must uh, deal with. And so uh, um, Dr. Scott Bradley uh, giving us a quote, it was from uh, Thomas Jefferson, you said?
10: That's correct, Um, and uh, just a few more lines. But uh, people need to understand that uh, we have probably a lot more solid ground to operate off of than we do gray ground. And, uh, and far too often people throw themselves into a gray ground. And for example, in your war scenario, and I'll finish the quote, it's just got a few more lines, but, uh, the gray the war ground, um, I truly believe that, uh, God holds accountable those that are responsible for the war and those that are the, uh, participants. If, if they're not being some, you know, if, if you're acting like, uh, Joseph Goebbels and, or, uh, Adolf Eichmann, or somebody, and all you do is follow orders, but it leads to the mass murders of people. You've got to have some moral integrity on those kind of things, and you can't say, Oh, I was just following orders. Nuremberg trial said that was not the case. But if you're in a uh, combat kind of situation, I truly believe those that are responsible for the war are those that will be called into account by God. And and there is a, um, you know, uh, times that you're compelled, you know, to arms, but the fact is, most of the time, the things that most of us face almost all the times in our lives, these uh, moral imperatives uh, are pretty clear cut, I think. But going on with, with uh, just a the few more lines of uh, uh, Jefferson, nothing is so mistaken as the supposition that a person is to extricate himself from a difficulty by intrigue, by chicanery, by dissimulation, by trimming, by an untruth, by injustice. This increases the difficulties tenfold and those who pursue these methods get themselves so involved at length that they, they can turn no way, but their infamy becomes more exposed. It is of great importance to set a resolution, not to be shaken, never to tell an untruth. There is no vice so mean, so pitiful, so contemptible, And he who permits himself to tell a lie once finds it much easier to do it a second time and a third time till at length it becomes habitual." He tells lies without attending to it, and truths without the world's believing him. This falsehood of the tongue leads to that of the heart, and in time depra- depraves all of its good dispositions. So, anyway, th- that's that's kind of I mean that's just a little segment of this letter that uh, Thomas Jefferson sent to his nephew. But uh, there's a whole bunch of other great advice and counsel in it too. But but that had to do, I think, with this idea. Of integrity, and uh, and I I think that most of us in most of our daily dealings in today's world would find the path a lot more straightforward and simple were we to follow that counsel. Now again, there's there's hard cases, and it's kind of like hard cases make bad law. I mean, if you look at legislature that tries to create a law that deals only with the really 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 strange and weird and bizarre cases, the law is usually pretty perverse and and convoluted but in most of our daily dealings i think that that this concept that jefferson was promoting really does hold sway and and i i don't know i think people are a lot happier when they don't have to worry who's going to discover their next lie
1: <laughs> i agree with that completely what do you think of my assertion though that there is a relative discussion sometimes that must take place based on a hierarchy of morals uh, well, I believe absolutely is the
10: case. This. You, I'll, I'll, I could give you some examples that would probably bear out where you're going with this thing. I know of a of a case one time where uh, there were some uh, pioneers that were traveling by wagon train, and, and they were surrounded by Native Americans, and they wanted two of their number, two of the the uh, uh, immigrants' numbers, to to put to death as a uh, a payment for two of their. Braves that had been killed in another encounter with some another wagon train, and uh, and they were either going to surround them and kill them all, or just give us two, and we'll take those two, and uh, then you can go on your way. And, well, the leader of, of that uh, wagon train said, "We're not going to sacrifice any of our people. We'll take whatever comes out of this, uh, but we are not going to turn people over to be murdered for something they're not guilty of." And and they went forward and and. In this particular case that I know of, there was uh, a successful and happy ending. But the fact of the matter is, they would have had an easy way out, perhaps, and say, look, there's a hundred of us in this thing. That's 2%. It's a pretty good deal. Let's give them over and let's move on. But, uh, but the individual had enough integrity, and, and, it, and it really came down, and, and his words to the people were trusting in God. They were going to put their their whole, you know, continued success and existence in the hands of God and, the, and act in faith, rather than take this easy way out of, okay, hey, we could give a couple of percent of our people away and we'll be okay, you know? And so, yeah, those kinds of things, I think faith enters into many of the decisions we need to take, and and we need to use them based upon the foundational principles that are found in God's Word, the Scriptures. So, anyway I I think you're right that you might say you're faced with vexing problems but um, very often I think if if we have integrity and want to find a good solution for them those solutions are more easily found than, than people are know, willing to admit nowadays. they There's take no doubt powers. about that,
1: and it's also important to teach this principle, because look, what they want to say is, hey, everything is relative. You can do whatever you want for your own personal gain or whatever else. Hey, take advantage of somebody because of their words. Do all these things. Relativism requires it if it makes sense to you. That's the lie. But what well, they're doing is, is exposing uh, uh, some truths in their lie. The truth is there are a hierarchy of moral decisions and a, and a way to go about thinking through things. There are governing values that should govern our actions and our thoughts and our behaviors. It's the exploitation of that where these relativists, what is the word, Relativismists, whatever you want. Relativists. Who, yeah, relativists, but people who are into revising history based on these relative discussions as well. So they're revisionists, relativists kind of a thing. Um, they lie, and they exploit what is good, honorable, and right, and good, and take it to the extreme. Uh, and that's where people need to understand the difference. All the time, biblically, there are decisions that need to be made that oftentimes are very tough. You know, what do you do if you're Esther? Do you shut up and be the king's wife? Or do you stand you know that- up at great, great possible peril to yourself and everyone around you? Okay, there are, and the point is, she went about it in a, in a, in a very appropriate um organizing these morals based on this hierarchy that I'm explaining. And she went about it, and she per- first went to God and put her faith in God. Okay, we need to learn these principles. We need to learn how to apply them. We need to understand that they're true. So capitalism is, bad, is not bad, but naked capitalism, the exploitation with no morals is. Okay, same thing with this, this discussion about um, these morals and how to uh, think through them and go about them. And, and governing values are key here, doctor.
10: Well, indeed, they are, and, and maybe that brings back to something you brought up near the beginning of our discussion that might bring it more on track with what you were trying to do today, this this $1.9 trillion COVID so-called relief fund that is a complete absurdity. It, it completely violates all baseline principles. There is, no, there is no authority to do what's being done in this, and, and literally and truthfully, they have perverted every justifiable direction that they could go on this thing, and uh, it's become a goodie box. That's uh, I mean, one 9 two. Let's say two million, uh, two million, two trillion dollars. I mean, a trillion is a thousand billion. A billion's billion is a thousand million. So it's a it's a million million. Uh, you know, to get to this trillion for one. And and um, and honestly, as as a people, that we are being so perverted in this thing, and nobody seems to even think about you know, not just the debt, but the principle that says you can or cannot do what they're doing. I mean, here's a nation that has a, a, a source of about 1.0, oh no, excuse me, 3.5 trillion dollars revenue every year. On a regular year, we spend about 4.5, and then this—I mean—it's just completely bizarre. And and it's they're shoveling money out that our grandkids are being put on the hook for. And and again, they'll never pay for it because, well, first of all, the Federal Reserve's creating the money out of thin air and loaning it to us at full value with interest for crying out loud. And our, I don't know what our interest is this year, but let's say it's almost two thirds of a, a trillion dollars. You know, a hundred, I mean, six hundred billion dollars. That's our interest. But but on this new debt and everything like that, I mean, what if the interest rates go up? I mean, is there going to be any revenue left ultimately to operate on if you if you're, you know, a sixth of the way to using up all the revenue right now just on on interest? Th- Hang tight,
1: Doctor Bradley. Liberty Roundtable live in seconds on your radio.
14: Second, education, conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at MoralLaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission. MoralLaw.org.
1: Gentlemen, you got to ride like the wind, like Paul Revere, for the preservation of the greatest country on the face of the earth. I'm telling you that right now. It's up to every one of us. There are no political issues in the world, ladies and gentlemen. Let me say it again there are no political issues in the world. They are all moral discussions, ladies and gentlemen. Morality is the key. Politics is a way to divide and deceive us. Ladies and gentlemen, we got lies and fake news to the core. I'll tell you that right now. But, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about a moral hierarchy based on God-given governing values. Let me say it again. You got a moral hierarchy, ladies and gentlemen, based on God-given governing values, and we need to prioritize things based on God's laws. When we do, we shall be faithful. We shall be protected, and we shall have the moral high ground. If we don't, ladies and gentlemen, we, we literally buy the farm, or whatever you want to call it. We're, we're in serious trouble, ladies and gentlemen. The Senate passed Biden's $1.9 trillion dollar COVID-19, what they call as a relief bill. See how it's a lie? It's not a relief for anybody. It's just basically putting your children into slavery with the debt of their fathers based on a lie. Um, by the way, the House passed it, 219 to 212. Not a single Republican voted for it. And in the Senate, ladies and gentlemen, it was 50 to 49. Kamala Harris cast the tie-breaking vote. Disaster on steroids, ladies and gentlemen. This is bad news, to say the least. Uh, It is literally legalized plunder where government stealing from the rich, given to the poor, government Robin hood on steroids. Uh, and, And the fact is government has zero authority to do this. And it gets worse, and I'll tell you why. Listen carefully, and then we'll jump to Dr. Bradley on this. Democrats reject Republican attempts to prevent stimulus checks from going to prisoners. That's right. Now, it's bad that the checks go to prisoners, okay? And it's bad that the checks go to illegals, okay? It's horrible. But don't tell me that it's fine for a check to go to a citizen. That's the kind of the lie that's being told by the Republicans fighting checks going to prisoners, but yet, hey, they're not really fighting checks going to everybody. You could say, well, they didn't vote for it, Sam. I know. I get it. They didn't vote for it, but they have set the stage over decades for socialism to be the order of the day. They set the stage by not standing up tall when they had control of the House, the Senate, the White House, and the courts. Ladies and gentlemen, the Republicans right now should sue and say there's no constitutional authority whatsoever for Congress to pass a law to redistribute wealth at the federal level when the United States government is in debt to the tune of who knows how many trillion dollars. On the books, 25 trillion. In reality, maybe more like 250 trillion. The numbers are staggering. The failure of our economy at some point don't know when is insured and somebody needs to sue the government and say we got to stop this but nevertheless what the republicans are going to do is they're going to basically in this relativism say well by golly we tried to stop the checks from going to the prisoners there but it's a day late and a dollar short to say the least doctor
10: well here's the deal um they stringed the gnats and swallow camels and let's take our home state of utah for example they are feeding at the government trough in great gulps and and, uh, accepting hundreds of millions of dollars that come in by this federal largesse that, again, as you point out, is totally unconstitutional. There is no authority to redistribute wealth found in the United States Constitution, and that's exactly what this is doing. But our state, our home state of Utah, continues in this emergency notation, which started, by the way, a year ago in March, So it's been a whole year now. They declared an emergency uh, weeks before a single COVID death, COVID-related death, I should say, because I'm not sure that how many can be attributed solely to COVID. But there hadn't been a single COVID-related death in the state of Utah, and they declared a state of emergency. And that put them on the bandwagon of those that were going to be able to take full advantage of federal largesse as the federal government started shoveling money into the states. And that, I believe, is the sole and only reason that they've continued to keep this state of emergency in effect. The emergency could end tomorrow if they lost their greed. So here Utah is an overwhelmingly Republican-led state. I mean, they have supermajorities in everything. I mean, whether it's the judicial, the executive, or the legislative branch, they're completely in control of the state of Utah. And yet, they continue to foster this idea that send the money, we'll spend it wisely. And, and that's, the, the COVID emergency would end in Utah, truly, if they said there's no more money but, for but it. But hold on, oh, e-
1: even if there is an emergency, uh, you know, set aside the money for a second, they don't have authority to take extreme action even in an emergency where the basically legislative body said, hey, we're not going to count this emergency, and the governor says, don't care, doing it anyway. Okay, these are the checks and balances we're talking about. And not only are they not justified, but they're violating their oaths of office when they violate the checks and balances and take power under themselves that they do not have based on the consent of the governed. So money is just a piece of the pie. It drives the exercise. I get it. But the moral imperative is to say, hey, from the governor, I'm in the wrong branch of government. I don't have authority. And for the legislative body to say, yeah, we have the right to legislate, but we don't have the right to legislate that which is immoral or that which takes from one and gives to another, or that which violates the Ten Commandments of Almighty God. These are the moral imperatives that I'm talking about in relation to this, Doctor.
10: Well, there's no question. And let's just use the state of Utah. I'm sure all of your listeners are in a state that have a similar kind of condition. But in the state of Utah, the legislature and the people can create law. There's some special you know, circumstances under which the people can directly create law. But the executive branch is absolutely precluded from that. We have a a continuity of of, uh, government with emergencies that is there, and it does not allow anybody to violate the Constitution. These are all written into the Constitution, but what happened back in 2015, the legislature stupidly proposed and, and carried out unconstitutionally a delegation of authority to the executive to create law in the event there was an emergency. And so they, now let
1: me stop you, though. When you say stupidly, I agree they did it stupidly, but they don't have any authority was, to do that. They should all be arrested oh, who voted for it, every one of them.
10: They did They did not have authority. Constitutional protocol does not allow the redelegation of authority that was ratified by the people on the Constitution they have given their consent to be governed under. And so the legislature gave that to the, the governor, and then in the spring of last year they had some special sessions where the legislature further offended the Constitution and the people that had been had agreed to live and give their consent under the Constitution, but it continues based upon the fact that that they're oh if we keep this emergency going, we'll continue to get many 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 millions of dollars from the from the national government the general government, and everybody's willing to feed at the trough. And right now, I'm looking at the U.S. national debt clock. Uh, in real time, and uh, it exceeds 28 trillion admitted debt. You know, when you look at the unfunded uh, liabilities, it's many, many more trillion uh, that, that 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 we have basically completely ignored. I mean, it's unfunded. We've made commitments to pay money that we have no revenue stream for, and someday, somehow, it's all going to come to, to you know fruition, and your and your uh, your grandkids are going to say. Grandpa, what were you thinking, you know? By the way, uh, Jeff, going back to Jefferson, he had a hard, fast rule that if you had to go into debt, you know, government had to go into debt, it should be immediately there was a, a basically a, a fund set aside that they collected funds to retire that, and the longest date out that he said was acceptable was 20 years, because that was considered like a generation of leadership. Okay, so, so if a, if a leadership you know, accepted a debt for whatever reason, you could put that on a note that basically had a, a funding source that they set up at the same time they created the debt that would retire it within 20 years because it was immoral to pass it on to the next generation. That's how the Founding Fathers thought, and, and we, we just have, have abandoned that completely. Because they people.
1: understood God's laws of a moral hierarchy. It's a moral imperative to stick to your governing values. And if you don't, you lose the moral high ground. And if you lose the moral high ground, you lose the blessings granted by the author of liberty. It's very simple in its application, uh, in its reality, if you stick to those principles. If you jettison them and you get into this, well, it's a relative discussion and I got to think through it from what I think is best at the time. And if you don't stick with those tried and true tested principles, you will fail the test.
10: And um, um- That's the whole problem we've got. Well, it's not the whole problem. It's one of the major problems we've got in this nation today is there is no moral compass that's being exercised. I mean, all of these, uh, they banked and and contained the flow of government within a a canal or a channel, if you think about it. It's, It's breached it a long time ago, and nobody is trying to repair it. And, and we have just abandoned that. And, and those that seek to govern today... Yeah, there's a few of us that are trying places. to repair it, right? Well, there's... Okay, I, there's I oh, agree. There are a few people, but, but those that hold a position of authority, they're almost non-existent. Those that govern are almost entirely, not only unworthy to, but incapable of. They, they remind me of that Paris Commune that happened in 1871, after the the communists took over in paris i mean these people are incapable of
1: governance and they are and because they've they go- lost the moral high ground they've jettisoned the governing values and the hierarchy of moral imperative that i speak of uh the siren songs of socialism is too great in their hearts and in their minds and in their souls and that's why we need to make sure that they don't have power and replace them with people who do and the second they start to run off the rails we've got a republic if we can jealously guard it and keep it is the point and a constitutional republic is based on god's laws based on a proper role of the family Families are the fundamental unit of society, okay? And our our society will never be stronger than our our focus on God and willingness to obey his commandments, and then the family, uh, the organization God put on the earth to govern the affairs of men and protect one another, and society is merely a mirror of that reality check, and it can be good or evil based on how we sally forth. Either we stand with the laws of God or we sally forth into darkness, sir.
10: You know, this is so, I mean, there's so many paths we could follow on this, but I think back on the, the Illuminati. Ladies and effort. gentlemen,
1: I'm incredible at, uh, at triggering Dr. Bradley. to. You know, <laughs> I, I can send him 96 ways with a few comments because he's so educated and so uh, researched into the history of, of what makes people and in, in societies great and what can tear them down that it's, that it's hard for him to, to stick with a thought point. He's got so many points to make. And how do you make them all at once, Doctor?
10: Well, that, that's the thing: is that, that there's a repeating um, lesson here for us. And, and if you look at the Illuminati and the French Revolution, or you look at the the Manifesto, Communist Manifesto, and you look what's happened in China, you look at New Russia, the Bolsheviks, and everything, everything. They have basically five tenets, and it's, they're being carried out in, in America right now: the destruction of Christianity. We could talk at great length about the upcoming bill that will destroy your religious liberty. Private property is being abolished and destroyed. Eliminating the family as a social unit, and we could talk at length of the uh, evidences of that. Uh, their efforts were to abolish the existing governments, and that's exactly what's happening with our existing Constitution. And you look about establishing the new di- dictatorship of the proletariat, the working class. And, and uh, this is really, um, they're calling it that, but the elites are going to be our lords and masters. It's an abominable situation we're in right now, and I hope America can uh, get a, I don't know, a critical mass of people that care.
1: And if you want to learn about the moral hierarchy, ladies and gentlemen, look to the Ten Commandments for your starting point. Turn to God in prayer. Go forward in faith after mighty prayer to Almighty God. Repent and obey His commandments, and He shall give you guidance. That's a promise. Not from me. It's a biblical promise from God Almighty Himself. We promote God, family, and country on this radio program, ladies and gentlemen. I know sometimes it's, it's pretty tough stuff. I get it. But it's because we love you, and it's because we want to preserve the greatest country on the face of the earth for generations to come. For Dr. Scott Bradley, his website, what is, this? Doctor? No is it, Doctor?
12: Freedomisrisingsun.com. No apostrophe. no spaces. RisingSun.com.